What's up, guys? This is EPW's The Countout, and I am your host, LBJ. Sometimes the L is silent. We are on week six, episode six of The Countout, and, um, you know, we're still new into this, so I'm going to tell you that every week on this show, you're going to get a wrap-up of wrestling news and moments and a short but jam-packed podcast episode. You're going to hear the 10 count of top news stories and my commentary. You're going to get a five count of wrestlers of the week determined by yours truly. And then you're going to end with a three count of predictions that I have for the wrestling business. They could be next week. They could be next month. They could be next year. They could be 10 years from now. They could be after we're all dead and gone. Who knows? But that's where the predictions lie. Now that you know a little bit about what this show is, this week is a little different. And the reason why is I'm still trying to get my footing on how uh, not only I want to do the show, but how you guys want to hear the show. Uh, So far, uh, most episodes have been with sound bites, with little clips here and there, leading into topics and uh, conversations, uh, all of that, you know, going on. Uh, We've had one that's been kind of just quick and to the point. This method that I'm doing is going to be what I call more of a reporting method. Um, It's got a little less of the audio clips and sound bites, and it's more um, source, news, story, information regarding it, um, that kind of thing. So um, I hope you enjoy this episode, but most importantly, I hope I can get some feedback on this episode. If you listen to this and you've listened to the other ones, I want to get your take. Please let me know which kind of style you prefer the show to be in, um, it, and even if it like we bring some elements in, you like this style, but you like the soundbite, stuff like that. Uh, I'm willing to work on some stuff. I have a few ideas and a few things that I like and dislike about all of the formats, but I'm just trying to get a blend that's the most comfortable to everyone listening, your ears, the the vibe, and just um, making sure that by the end of it, you can tell what's happened through the week if you've missed it and that you're confident going into the next week with Wrestling World Uh, knowing what the big stories are and how things develop because of them. So um, on uh, Everything Pro Wrestling's Facebook group, you can leave a comment. You can uh, rate and review this podcast on every podcast form or format. Um, You can get a hold of us through Twitter, all of that stuff. Just let me know what you think. And uh, yeah, so we're going to go right into it. Here is the news. Let's talk about... Carl Anderson, the machine gun Carl Anderson, as he's known in New Japan, one half of the Good Brothers and one third of the OC in WWE. So now, Carl Anderson, if you were not aware, uh, upon his return back to WWE, has been wrestling uh, for New Japan as he was finishing up his Impact deal. Carl Anderson in New Japan Pro Wrestling is currently the never openweight champion. When he showed up in WWE, New Japan even promoted that. It 
seemed as though New Japan and WWE at least had a working agreement when it comes to Carl Anderson and uh, Doc or Luke Gallows, depending upon where you know him from. Um, <clears throat> but what is uh, come under scrutiny? I think scrutiny. Sorry, I don't know why I butchered that. But what is, what has been the focus here is the uh, OC has been booked to face Judgment Day at Crown Jewel on November 5th. That is the same day Carl Anderson was scheduled to work a New Japan show against Hikaleo where he would be defending the New Japan Never Openly Championship. Obviously, both cannot happen at the same time. Therefore, now there's a little bit of tension between Carl Anderson and New Japan, more so than Carl and WWE as he has chose to work the WWE show. Now, as reports are still coming out on this, I will give um, an update uh, with all the information that I know uh, and that has been reported. New Japan president Takami Obari has been vocal with his displeasure of this situation, especially after Anderson and Doc Gallows released a video saying that they would wrestle for New Japan on their time. New Japan even released an official statement on the matter, uh, and it goes as follows. Thank you for supporting New Japan Pro Wrestling. Early morning Japan time on October 20th, Never Openweight Champion Carl Anderson posted a video on social media indicating that he would not be making his advertised commitment on November 5th in Osaka. New Japan had announced Anderson's match with Hikaleo for the Never Openweight Championship on October 4th. Despite comments from Doc Gallows to the contrary in Anderson's video, the booking was made through the appropriate channels and with Anderson's expressed approval. However, after the match's announcement, both Gallows and Anderson would appear on the October 10th edition of WWE's Monday Night Raw broadcast. This led to WWE announcing a match featuring both men for their Saudi Arabia event on November 5th in direct conflict with Anderson's prior commitment. New Japan uh, has for the past several days attempted to negotiate with Anderson, but has not been met with a response. Should Anderson decide to renege on his scheduled championship match, he will be required to vacate the Never Openweight Championship and return the belt to New Japan immediately. New Japan Pro Wrestling holds its champions to the highest standards of professionalism and sincerest apologies to the fans for any disappointment or inconvenience caused by the matter. The situation appeared to be part of a storyline from the beginning, and that has been indeed the case. The status of the Never Openweight title is unknown, but Fightful Select have reported that there's still active plans for Carl Anderson to wrestle for New Japan, and the promotion expect him to work additional dates outside of this. Furthermore, New Japan have known that Gallows and Anderson were returning to WWE since August when the deal was agreed, and relations between New Japan, WWE, and the Good Brothers are quote-unquote fine. WWE are also okay with Anderson working additional dates for New Japan despite him being under contract with them. New Japan have announced also that Anderson will be stripped of the Never Openweight title if he does not compete at Battle Autumn. 
In a response, Hikaleo noted that Anderson being stripped of the title was not necessary as he was happy to wait for the champion to return to New Japan. Carl <clears throat> uh, Anderson has since replied to Hikaleo, claiming that he will, won't be vacating his never open weight title. Despite the storyline around Battle Autumn, Anderson is reportedly expected to work these dates once again. Everything appears to be quote unquote fine. Now it's time for everybody's favorite CM Punk news and all the more details of the brawl out from All Out. Now this is just the CM Punk side. We will be talking to uh, words, LBJ. We will be talking about the elite as well later on. But as for the CM Punk news and reports. <clears throat> In an update, CM Punk's side have claimed to Wrestling Inc. that Punk's dog Larry was accidentally hit after the then AEW World Champions locker room door was quote-unquote kicked in. It was then revealed during an appointment at a vet a few days later that two of Larry's teeth were knocked loose and had to be removed. After the door was allegedly kicked in, Punk felt threatened, according to Wrestling Inc., and he reacted in a way that was deemed to be legal. There is currently no legal action against Punk stemming from the all-out brawl. Uh, the Elite's camp told Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer that Larry being hurt in the backstage fight is a lie. Furthermore, Punk's camp reportedly did not view his comments from the all-out media scrum as a big deal, and they believe the situation only escalated after his locker room door was quote-unquote kicked in. Punk was asked to stay quiet following the incident by AEW, and he agreed to do so. Past reports from Fightful Select, however, noted that those close to CM Punk claimed that the Young Bucks kicked the door down, but they softened that claim soon after, instead alleging that Matt and Nick could have kicked, shouldered, or otherwise forced their way in. All five men uh, suspended following the all-out backstage fight. The Elite look to make their AEW returns in the coming weeks. Ace Steel's been released. And CM Punk is reportedly in talks with the promotion over a contract buyout. Mentioning the contract buyout. I'll get to my opinions on this in just a second. Russell votes revealed to give me sport that Triple H was previously against a punk return, but his stance has since softened and punk resigning with the WWE can't be ruled out. The quote given by Russell votes was I was told, I mean, pretty straightforward that Triple H wants nothing to do with CM Punk and even less to do with Phil Brooks. Well, that's what I was told. And that was July. I did ask over the last couple days, and it has softened a little bit from what I understand. I still think there's animosity. I still think there's a lot of pieces that need to be picked up between the two of them specifically. But Hunter learned from Vince, and Vince made amends with everybody. So to say that door is closed is ridiculous on anybody's part, especially in this quote-unquote war that's happening right now. I would never say never, absolutely. Uh... And a separate extra story here 
regarding Punk and all of this. Whilst Punk would eventually take multiple shots at Hangman Page on the mic uh, and during the All Out Post media scrum, another report from Wrestling Inc. Set, states that Punk's camp feared tensions would boil over in the ring, with Punk reportedly fearing that their double or nothing main event clash would devolve into a shoot fight. <clears throat> Now, I'm going to say it just like this. I am a huge, huge CM Punk fan. I have been since the first time I knew who CM Punk was. I cannot get behind this. The veil of the person of CM Punk, to me, was pulled off at that uh, post-scrum, that interview. Um, it felt like a, um, they say don't meet don't meet your heroes type of thing, and it's like I saw the real him rather than who I've thought and felt he was and how he's portrayed himself normally. This was like, I don't care about my portrayal, I just... I'm tired of this stuff, so I'm stating how I feel, and it just, I'm a big fan of the wrestling business, I felt CM Punk is a big fan of the wrestling business, and despite the situation, you are the company's champion, and I felt like that was not the time and place to air those kinds of grievances, that if there was a time and place to do so, it also should have been done in a manner that um, you felt heard, but not that you're putting detriment to your own company. And I feel like he was definitely doing that. It felt to me like it was very much, I'm working for me type of thing. And I felt like he even overstepped boundaries with Tony, who is the owner. Tony tried to field a question. Tony tried to give a response. CM Punk shut him down using the exact phrase, I'm trying to run a company here. This is his company. Now, it is on Tony also for not shutting it down. We could be a dead horse with these kind of uh, repeated statements and feelings. However, one thing that I want to note is all of these quotes with Punk seem to be from his camp sources close to him, not from him directly. So I don't know if there's any merit to anything anyone is saying on those regards. Secondly, if it is coming from him, if these people are well enough to be reported as part of his camp, part of his people, and to know the story, they really got to get their act together because they're going back to saying that the door was kicked in after they walked it down after originally making the claims. So, like, was the door kicked in? Was it not? These are things that we will probably never know. But there is one important detail that I would like to uh, talk about. And that is that all the reports had indicated that the number two person in the company, as Tony Khan has called her, their chief legal, Mega, uh, I can't remember her last name at the moment. I apologize for that. But she was there as the incident took place. If she is not only their chief of legal, but number two in the company, if the elite come back and CM Punk does not, 
it makes me lean into this being a CM Punk um, problem. Because if you look at it from a business perspective, CM Punk was a big draw in ratings. He was a draw in merchandise. All of these things. He's a moneymaker for the company. So why would the number two in the company just risk kicking him out and buddy-buddying up to the elite if the elite were the ones truly at fault uh, for the incident rather than um, fulfill her role not only as legal but also as number two in the company and worry about the business and worry about the finances and what happens with that and then just like you know, kick Punk out. Like, I, I don't think that would happen. I think from a business perspective, you would do what you can to keep Punk if this was not uh, a major factor to do with Punk being the problem. That is really all I have to say about that kind of stuff because, as I said, it has, been, it has gone so long and we've talked about it so much. I do want to get the details, just like I'm sure everybody does, but it does get monotonous that every few days we have another detail, we have another story, or we have another report, or something of those um, links when uh, this happened months ago and other wrestling is going on. Being entertained should not feel tiring. That's all I'll say about that, and we will move on. Now we move on to the other side of the brawl out from All Out, the Elite. According to Fightful Select, there's been talk backstage within AEW about the Elite returning to work for the first time since All Out. A source of Fightful's also noted that their return could happen quote-unquote, imminently, but that was not definitive. While Omega and the Bucks will resurface, or when Omega and the Bucks will resurface on TV is also unknown, but talk has revolved around them coming back to at least work backstage. Now, that leads into a report that aired, or a report that came following this. During the October 26th AEW Dynamite, a vignette aired which showed several highlights of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega's run in AEW from the announcement of AEW on being the elite, all the way through to Omega's AEW world title win at Winter is Coming 2020 with audio from Kenny and the Bucks talking about their aims for AEW. However, during each snippet, the participants all turned into dust. Kind of like Thanos' snap. Uh, in the Avengers movies before the AEW logo 2 turned into vapors with the elite part disappearing first. Um, This is the first overt reference to the elite since All Out, save for a few references on commentary the week before. If the elite were still to be suspended or even set to leave AEW, there's no way AEW would have aired a vignette like this. <clears throat> I, um, there's also a report that had come out that said that the elite were already backstage this past week. Um, don't know if they were back, quote unquote, to work yet or if they were just there their first time being back. However, um, it seems as though they are on their way. Or anything else regarding this, refer to the rant that I just left about CM Punk beforehand. 
let's talk about the Great Muda. The Great Muda is uh, going through his last year of wrestling. He showed up on AEW a few weeks ago on a Rampage taping. Uh, actually, no, it was a live Rampage. It was um, Grand Slam. And uh, we know that Sting is going to be his tag team partner in his final match for Pro Wrestling Noah. But New Japan uh, hosted their latest Battle Autumn show on October 26th, and they featured a surprise return by the legendary Great Muda. During a New Japan World TV title tournament clash between Toriyanu and the Great Okan, Muda appeared at ringside, uh, at ringside and sprayed Khan with his mist, allowing Yano to get the win and advance in the quarterfinals. Muda is one of the legendary three musketeers of New Japan, alongside Shinya Hashimoto and Masahiro Shona. Muda, which is the dark alter ego of Keiji Muto, last appeared in a New Japan ring at January's crossover Wrestle Kingdom 16 show with Pro Wrestling Noah, the promotion where Muda currently is working out of. He will have one more match in New Japan Pro Wrestling before retiring in February of 2023. It was announced that Muda will team with Toru Yanu and Okada to take on the United Empire's Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Aaron Hanare at the New Japan uh, Cross Stardom Historic X Over pay-per-view. I, I think that's also for crossover. Uh, pay-per-view event on November 20th. WWE pay-per-view news coming in. A new report from Give Me Sport and WrestleVote suggests that the days of the annual Hell in a Cell pay-per-view may be over, with WWE considering the format, quote, completely dead. Uh, WrestleVote says the show itself, I think, is completely dead. That match, from what I understand, means a lot to Hunter. Just think of the classics that he's had in there. Roman Reigns and Jey Uso... They've been feuding for six weeks, and now they've got to be there because the calendar says so. That's not going to happen anymore. It's believed that Triple H wants to give the gimmick back some of the much-needed prestige and make it a deciding factor in a blood-fueled feud rather than just a calendar-defined occurrence. This should come as little surprise, though. Triple H himself was involved in a ton of high-profile Hell in a Cell matches during that gimmick's you know, quote, golden years, Um, notably his war with Cactus Jack at No Way Out 2000 is a prime example of what the Hell in a Cell match should be and should mean. Since since the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view debuted in 2009, there have been 35 Hell in a Cell matches, including several not uh, at Hell in a Cell pay-per-views. Before that, there were only 16 in the 12 years before that pay-per-view. So let that sink in. There's been 35 since we've had the pay-per-view in 2009. That, that's a lot compared to what we had before. So bringing back the meaning to those is something I think all of us uh, long-term wrestling fans will appreciate and be excited for. 
Let's talk about network news, both with AEW and with WWE. And no, not the streaming service, but just the respective networks that they are on. Let's start with AEW. A new report from John Arezzi on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight podcast suggests that Warner Brothers Discovery wants to push AEW in a new direction and form a long-term partnership. They're trying to make it a sport. Uh, that's what the strategy is. The strategy is that they are pushing AEW into the sports category, not the entertainment category. They're increasing that because of the new ownership, because Warner Brothers is now Warner Brothers Discovery. Arezzi continued on this statement, saying, Everything I hear of what's going on with TNT, it's going to be turning into a more sports-centric network. So they're now putting their resources behind these promo announcements to increase the ratings. So whether or not they're tasteful in regards to the violence and the blood, there's a method to the madness. I'm privy to a lot of insider conversations, at least on the Warner Brothers Discovery side. I have a lot of people there in very high executive positions that I've known for many years that I worked for when I was in television here in Nashville. The same people who are now the leaders of Warner Brothers Discovery on the ad sales front. They see this property, AEW, as someone or something that they want to be in business with long term. They've had a contract which was absorbed by them when they merged that wasn't the sweetest deal for TNT and TBS. It was kind of one-sided. So now they're trying to do... uh, They're trying to... is to kind of collaborate and work together so that they can work on the next long-term deal with them. I can't get into too much, but there's a lot of faith behind the AEW product right now from the folks at Warner Brothers Discovery, says John Arezzi. So, good news for AEW. Now let's hear about the WWE Network news. And according to Andrew Zarian of Mat Men Pro Wrestling Podcast, Halloween Havoc was the most viewed NXT standalone premium live event since Peacock acquired the rights to the WWE Network in the United States. NBC Universal executives were also encouraged that the additional promotion for the show led to greater viewership. Furthermore, NBC Universal's attitudes towards NXT has been, quote, very positive over the past few weeks. So, if you're a fan of wrestling, that's great to hear that the networks who are hosting our wrestling love what's going on. It means it continues. It means they get better deals. It means that it stays alive. And I think we can all agree, regardless of if you have chosen sides or not, that that is a good thing that the businesses that own the channels they're hosted on are big fans of them. In our last bit of odd and ends news, um, it was reported on Monday, actually, Johnny Gargano mentioned to The Miz that Tommaso uh, Ciampa was injured, and that is indeed true. Um, Ciampa revealed on Wednesday that he had undergone hip labrum surgery um, and that he will be out for a while. Um, he's basically said that uh, his hip labrum looked like shredded cheese, according to his wife, who watched the surgery. Uh, also in injury news, Laredo Kid uh, seemingly got hurt at Impact. Uh, something uh, dealing with his abdominal stomach region, which I some of the reports were basically saying that like his intestines were no longer like inside like his ribs and stuff like it should which which is definitely hernia related things but i don't i don't know the official diagnosis on that either way 
everyone at EPW, of course, and I'm sure wrestling fans wish them the best. Hope they return soon and healthy when they can and um, that their recoveries go well. Uh, and the last little bit of news, <clears throat> I wouldn't normally include this in news. However, I feel like it's important that we do so here. It is Ava Rain debuting on NXT. The reason that this is what I consider newsworthy is because if you don't know who Ava Rain is, she is The Rock's daughter, Simone Johnson. She uh, joined a faction, the Dyad, Dyad, I can't remember what the pronunciation is, but they're like a cult type of faction in NXT which is not normally a role you would think that you would give to a generational talent, uh, especially The Rock's generational descendant. Um, But I think it's a great way to debut her and kind of take some of the assuming eyes off of her. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, if she's new and NXT is developmental and she's looking to hone her craft and looking to get better and looking to perform better, if she came in as Simone Johnson, daughter of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, everyone is going to have all eyes on her. And if she messes up or gets injured or has um, some kind of issue... The fan base will be, will com- always compare her to her dad by going under the new name, by going in a group like this. It's a direction that The Rock never was really in. You can say, yeah, he was in a faction with the Nation of Domination, but the Nation and the Dyad are nowhere near similar. So this is a new direction for a new character, and I'm very interested to see the work that she does. And I think this will help her out a lot in the long run. And just because it is this reasoning of her being the generational descendant of The Rock, uh, his daughter, uh, it's important to realize that she has debuted, but also important to realize how her path is already going to be different. And it's good to take note of that so that people don't set and constantly compare as they would have in other realms. So that's all for your news. You're going to get into your predictions. Well, we're going to get into the wrestlers of the week first, then your predictions. All right, guys, with this new formatting of things, I'm going to try to streamline this as well. And, and again, these are not uh, guaranteed this is the way it's going to be from now on. Just trying new ideas, and I want... Uh, you who are listening to please let me know what you think and how you feel and which direction you would like things to go whether you'd like it a hybrid of these or this way or the way it's been uh, most of the weeks leading up to this so again just drop us a comment let us know your five wrestlers of the week top five AEW takes the whole top five this week. It was a really good show this past Wednesday for a lot of different reasons. You're going to find out these top five right now. Number five is Wheeler Yuta. He's the birthday boy Wednesday. Helped get a big win in his uh, tag team match with uh, 
the Jericho Appreciation Society. But more importantly, he got more mic time, more promo time, uh, more time to showcase just why it, like, show off how good he is and how much he's growing as a talent. And I think this show, he factored in quite a lot in. It was a good showing for him. And so he gets number five. Number four is FTR. I could say the same thing with them, but it's mainly primarily based off of their tag team match with Swerve and Our Glory. Great match. Not necessarily a huge fan of the ending, whether Swerve and Our Glory won this match, which they did, or FTR did. I just, the gun club interference kind of sucked, but it was a great match up until that point. It was a really well done and uh, it might have been my match of the night. Speaking of that match, number three is Swerve in Our Glory. What more can I say? This match was phenomenal. Go out of your way. If you only check out one wrestling match this week, that is the match I recommend that you check out. Go watch Swerve in Our Glory versus FTR for the number one contender spot. Number two, MJF. Crowd is super behind MJF despite him being a heel. He's teasing. Is he actually a better guy than what we think? Is he tricking us all? Is he really at ends with the firm? It seems so on Wednesday when he told Stokely to leave Moxley alone. He wanted him at 110%. And when the firm did not do so at the end of Dynamite, he ended up reluctantly at first, but ended up making the save for Moxley. But then the firm turned on him after MJF fired Stokely. So it'll be an interesting development to see how this goes, but uh, between his promo work since his return and uh, everything that he's done has been gold, MJF is number two. And number one this week, I'm putting Claudio Casagnoli as the number one wrestler of the week. His performance in his tag match with Wheeler Yuta against the JAS was absolutely phenomenal. That in sequence where he basically went through five members of the JAS and then hit his uh, neutralizer finisher on Jericho for the win was the chef's kiss to that match. And I think this will now qualify um, Claudio to get... A rematch for that ROH title hopefully soon and maybe even before final battle but that is your top five for this week now we're gonna get into predictions make these short and sweet every time some of them have come true I don't know what my full-on record is yet some of them still haven't had the moment to come true yet um but i'll uh, try to get some stats for that uh, maybe a few months in to see how many are still left waiting how many have come true how many the time has passed and they didn't just let's see how clairvoyant with the wrestling world i can be but these three predictions this week i'm gonna say that seth rollins carries the u.s title until wrestlemania don't know who's gonna overthrow him yet but i think he carries the belt to at least wrestlemania second as soon as champa is good and ready diy reform in wwe on the main roster I think that's what people would really like to see with Gargano and Ciampa. And I think Triple H will definitely call the shots on that and make it happen. And yeah, so DIY coming back whenever Ciampa returns. 
And the last one on the AEW flavored side of the predictions, the elite are going to return. And I did predict that they would return before or at full gear. Don't know my exact wording then, but I definitely was using full gear. I'll, I'll go back and check this prediction again for clarity purposes. But I did predict that they would be back. My prediction builds on top of this one. Right after the Elite return, so does an Adam Cole. Calling it now. I don't know if Adam Cole will join the kingdom or not. That is an assumption. But the prediction is he at least returns back to AEW the minute the Elite show up. So, there you go, guys. I hope you have all liked the show. Please, 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 please let me know what you think. I greatly appreciate it. I will catch you next time. And, of course, listen to everything pro wrestling. Uh, Conrad does the, uh, uh, the the big spotlight. Conrad does the post-AEW Dynamite shows live with Derek. Um, they're great. They're phenomenal. They're a highlight to my week. You should definitely check them out if you haven't. And then on Monday, right now, Derek is working with Hubbard Wrestling Week. Or not Derek, Conrad. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume that the uh, Derek order has infected my brain there for a minute. I'm going to have to fight that back. Uh, Conrad hosts Clash of the Podcast with Hubbard Wrestling Weekly and those shows have been phenomenal as well so Mondays you got shows Wednesdays you got shows when it comes to the weekend you get the count out between these three shows I don't know where else you're gonna get better content for free and with dedicated passionate hosts and people who love to talk wrestling share us like subscribe review and thank you as always for listening to this and i will catch you next time